walk where uh, Brother Reese and Sister Stacy will walk in their journeys over in Papua New Guinea uh, to be there for a few days. Uh, the people love Brother Reese and Sister Stacy and can't wait till they get back to help them. God bless you, Brother Reese, as you speak for us today. Amen. The people of Papua New Guinea, one of the national pastors told me, they said, we love Americans because Americans brought missionaries here and the gospel to us. So, bless you. Amen. Thank you. <clears throat> it's uh, exciting for me also for Pastor Austin to get to see um, our little world over there. It's a whole different world. Um, and my, my pastor, Pastor Folk, has already been there um, in a few of those places. And um, just as Pastor mentioned, the opportunities that the Lord gives us, even as we travel, we may be in Australia, we may be in the Philippines or, or whatever, but everything that it takes to get to where we think we're supposed to be, God has, God has work for us to do all along the way, even right here, right now. Um, and uh, that, uh, that verse that we just talked about, Luke 10, the harvest truly is great, Luke 10 too, um, that's, that's certainly true no matter where we are. And when it says, pray that the Lord would send forth laborers into his harvest, that's a reminder that you need to pray for me because I'm supposedly already doing it for my full-time job. But I can walk past those harvests that are waiting because I'm so busy trying to take care of everything. And those that traveled with us on this trip now know me maybe a little more than before and uh, see me in, in some very stressed out times and that uh, I need to, need to take a moment and pay attention to what what, what is God doing right now? Because by all appearances, I don't have it under control, so I sure hope God does, because otherwise we're in big trouble. <laughs> um, and um, well, we came, I came to church this morning um, thinking, well, it may be a short message, but I guess everyone will be happy to go home soon. Um, but just being in church this morning, there's been so many things that came up and uh, just encouraged and filled my heart, um, and now I don't have time to say all the things I want to say. So, if we can pull our hymnals back out for a second to number 333, we just sang it, we're not going to sing it anymore uh, right now, but this is a song we sang a few times on the trip, and we were trying to have something prepared in case we were called on for special music, and I filled the group numerous times with that. Um, the, the, the trip was, in part, a story of, in, in one sense, everything went smoothly, but there were a lot of things that didn't go according to plan, and we just adapted to it as we went along. So uh, we did sing this together as a group a couple times, and that was just what I needed personally, too, um, to just dwell on the Lord and what He wanted me to be doing. Um, and then for it to be sung this morning, I don't know if Brother Dad knew that that was somewhat a, a little bit of a theme song, but um, I just wanted to look at the words again for my own sake. So you can just listen to me if, if it doesn't do anything for you. But, but um, we already heard so many things that are in this song in today's message and testimonies. Um, there in verse 1 it says, May the mind of Christ my Savior live in me from day to day. Well, we heard about that in Philippians 2. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. 
and the, the need to be a servant. And I think that I've failed in, in noticing those opportunities. I get self-centered. Jesus was never self-centered. Even though he's God and he was the one that's supposed to increase, he still wasn't self-centered. Even though he is the, the main, we don't want to say star of the show in, a, in an irreverent way, but he's, uh, that in all things, might, he might have the preeminence. He's, he's the, the heir of, of all things. He created the worlds, and yet he wasn't self-centered. <laughs> wow. So who am I supposed to be? Definitely not uh, exalting myself. It says, by his love and power controlling all I do and say. Oh, that's a challenge. That, that we'd be submitted in every, in every situation to let God work through us. The Bible's, uh, not the Bible, the, the hymn, verse 2 says, May the word of God dwell richly in my heart from hour to hour. We know that's supposed to be the source of our singing, right? In Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Um, but you know, we need that for, for everything that we do and, and say, as verse 1 said. And it says, so that all may see I triumph only through his power. And you think about, you know, I, I tried to explain to the group before we left, we're going to be real tired, we're going to be, you know, you might feel cranky, you might feel confused and disoriented, and, and uh, the time change, and the food change, and the temperature, and the lack of sleep from flying, and all this stuff. Um, and it really hit me harder than I was expecting. I had more people I was responsible for than usual, and... Um, I definitely needed this that I can only I can only triumph I can only make it through in his power. We're out there to serve the Lord. And so why would I try to say, "Oh, excuse me guys, watch out. I'm coming through. I've got to take care of it all." It's not it's not my idea to take a mission trip to to reach the world with the gospel. It's God's mission, and so I don't need to make it happen. I need to be available for him to use me. Verse 3 says, Make, may the peace of God my Father rule my life and everything. And that's, that's something that uh, we want the world to see in us, that it's not in ourselves, but you know, the one evening we were supposed to fly back from Garoka to Port Moresby, it was, uh, the flight was delayed, just didn't show up for about an hour, and I don't think there was really much announcement about it. It's sort of uh, business as usual for those things to happen. But I was uh, starting to wonder, is there a plane coming? Because they usually don't operate too much after dark there, and it was, it was well, pretty well dark when we got to Port Moresby. And I'm uh, thinking, okay, are we going to have to... We've gotten all through security, all our luggage checked in, now we've got to make our way back out and see if we have what we need and find a place to stay, and everybody's tired, and we were, a lot of us were still kind of dealing with sickness at that point. We need... We need the peace of God that the world does not have. Um, everyone else, they were in their environment, all the Papua New Guineans on that flight. But for us, we were, we were far from home, and it would have been expensive to change plans. They have relatives. They have somebody. I, I didn't want to go back to Lampo. It would have been cheaper, but uh, it would have been a lot more work. <laughs> and, you know, another... Uh, car trip that costs money and everything. And so if everyone else is feeling like they're fine, 
that's not the same as having the peace of God. Just because you have a backup plan, that's not, that's not the peace of God. <laughs> peace of God is, is uh, something that, that needs to rule uh, in your hearts. Um, it says that I may be calm to comfort sick and sorrowing. I did have some sickness on this trip. Uh, thankfully, not too much deep sorrow that I can think of. Um, but... Uh, Again, it all needs to come from the Lord. Verse 4 says, May the love of Jesus fill me as the waters fill the sea. That's, you know, the Bible says, The love of Christ constraineth us. And um, we think about First John 4. We love him because he first loved us. And the only way that we can love Papua New Guineans or love Americans or Australians or anybody is from the Lord because we can we can operate on excitement and adventure only for so long and then it becomes people can start to get on your nerves and uh, everyone in general in the world is self-centered we struggle with it ourselves as Christians so for those that aren't Christians as brother Tim was mentioning this morning we we just we uh, find it so easy to exalt ourselves and so when people are acting that way, it's only going to be the love of Christ in us that can continue to serve them, as, as Brother Tim was talking about, being humble and being a servant. And that's what Jesus did. It says he, he knew, right? There, Jesus said in, in John 13, you are clean but not all. He knew which one was going to betray him. And he served him. Ah, man, if we knew the things that people were going to do to us, would we still have God's love in our heart too? What does the Bible say? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we were enemies of God, God knows the things that, that are in our hearts that we've said against God, thought against Him, done against Him, and against our fellow man, and the, all the offenses that rise up in God's face. And yet, He loves and He gives. <laughs> and He gives us the power to do that through His love. That's amazing. Um, again, it says, him exalting, self-abasing. Well, that's what we heard in John, uh, what was it, 1.30? Or was it, no, John 3.30. He, he must increase, but I must decrease. Him exalting, self-abasing. I think this is very good poetry to, to fit all these thoughts just in simple words. This is victory. It says, verse 5, May I run the race before me strong and brave to face the foe looking only unto Jesus as I onward go. And similar thought, but you know, brings up another topic just uh, about enduring. We talked in Philippians 4 on our trip about standing fast in the Lord. And we, we, we had also Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord and uh, stand fast in the Lord. It's only in Him that we have the strength to carry on when... Uh, everything may feel like it's going against us, and you know sometimes in the midst of exhaustion, when you're traveling, in the back of your mind maybe something's telling you why don't you just give up and quit? But you know you can't. You're in an airport somewhere, right? You you can't stop. You have to keep going. You have to you have to make it to that. And I don't know why I like traveling so much. It's very stressful and, and a lot of work. But I'm just I get this problem that I like it. But in those moments, well, the, the, the Lord's uh, 
what does the Bible say as thy dates, shall so, thy, so shall thy strength be. And we have Jesus promised to be with us, particularly um, as, we're, as we're in missions. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. So we've, we've found ourselves in some places far away from really where we could rest or, or just take time off. But the Lord's strength is there in those times. And that's what we need. And then verse 6 says, May his beauty rest upon me as I seek the lost to win. Well, I think that verse in the hymn there comes from the end of Psalm 90. May the, uh, I don't want to quote it wrong, the end of Psalm 90 there. Um, it says, Let thy work appear unto thy servants and thy glory unto their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. And establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands establish thou it. If it weren't, that, if it weren't in the Bible, we we'd might say, what do you mean, let, may his beauty rest upon me? I'm not God. But, but as we go out to represent him, here the, it's a prayer of Moses, the man of God, in Psalm 90, let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. Oh, we don't we don't deserve that. We don't even deserve to to represent our wonderful God to others because we're so we're so weak and sinful and insufficient for the work that He's given us of reconciling the world to Him. But if He's given us that job, then it's a it's a high honor and privilege. And we need we need God to be are everything in that work. And I know I've failed in that so often. I am kind of the logistics guy and I think let's just let's just go and do it. And uh, when we'll when we run into a roadblock we'll we'll press through. And I've failed too many times and I'm sure uh, even on this trip to take the time to seek for the beauty of the Lord to be upon me and, and for his word to fill me, his peace, his love until I get in a bind, and then, Lord, where are you? <laughs> and that's kind of what I, what I spoke about in the last message here, when Charlie was lost in the back room there. Um, why, would, why would we try to go and operate without him? But I need, I need that reminder. So I, I really appreciate that hymn, May They Forget the Channel, Seeing Only Him. Again, it reminds me of John 3.30, and just that um, we, we understand as we go out to the mission field that if we don't go, if the Lord doesn't send a laborer into the harvest, it's not possible for it to get done on its own. But the focus is not on us and our part in the harvest. It's the Lord's work. And if he can use us, that's, uh, <laughs> it's amazing that, that he would trust the ministry to any of us. Um, but we want to we take that responsibility seriously, joyfully, but seriously. And um, and represent him as he deserves. It's a big job. Um, I think that I think this all kind of goes together with our message. I guess it's up to you to decide. But let's go to Second Corinthians chapter one. Second Corinthians one. And um, I saw this verse. Uh, one of the families we're planning to stay with in Singapore. Here coming up in about two months, early September, we're supposed to be there. Um, 
Pastor Napkahipe from the Philippines, and I, I believe uh, the sister Esther Leong that I've been in contact with uh, plan to stay in their home. She's also from the Philippines. I'm not sure if her husband's Filipino or uh, if he's from Singapore, but they post on their WhatsApp status every day, usually multiple verses. Um, and sometimes I'm just, you know, reading through, seeing what's there. But this verse um, was on, I saw that on the little WhatsApp thing, and, and I guess that would be an encouragement. Don't, don't be afraid to post something. Uh, if, if you use any type of social media, contacting your friends, uh, email, whatever. Your pastor folk used to always send out the verses by email to the church. And when you get them all the time, sometimes it may be just, okay, let's see what the verse is today and move on. But this verse I could not get away from. Um, and it's kind of been, well, I wrote back to Pastor Knapp. I think he reposted it and I said, wow, I, that's, a, that's a verse I need to meditate on, on and ponder on. But then it was just just there in the back of my mind. I didn't work on memorizing it. I didn't, uh, didn't dig into it. And when I finally heard, I think yesterday confirmed that I still was supposed to preach this morning, uh, and I didn't have a, a lot in my mind, but I could not get away from this verse. And so I just want to kind of share a little bit of my attempt of meditating on it and... Um, and how it's been all fitting in with the trip that we just took and where we need to kind of debrief and, and move on. We're back in Michigan now. As he mentioned, uh, we're about to travel again, not too, not too distant future, Lord willing. Um, but just to, to step back from all the details of traveling across the world and I just focus on what, what, is, what does the Lord want us to be doing? Because as those on the trip have especially observed, it's vital to still be a Christian every day, no matter where you find yourself in the world, no matter which day it is. You know, if, you, if, you nor, if you're used to reading your Bible at a certain time of the day, and then you fly over the Pacific Ocean, and the day is like two hours long, and then it's the following day, and it, it, can, it can be quite dis, disrupting to your schedule, and um, it's easy to just say, well we'll, well, we'll we'll get back to normal someday, but I just, I'm trying to survive like right now. But um, all this, the, the treasures that are in God's Word for our nourishment are so important. And, and uh, I really appreciated the message this morning, Brother Tim, just, just the chance to, you know, to share what, what God can reveal from His Word. It's been there the whole time. We've all read through our Bibles multiple times, I hope. But just to see something new that, um, that the Lord wants to work in our hearts. And so I would pray that this verse, we could, we could take a moment and... Uh, if you, um, I forgot to put, have you put it up. Second Corinthians one twelve is the is just just one verse that we really want to focus on today. Second Corinthians one twelve. Um, just look down through here and see what God has for us in it. Um, and hopefully, something we can take home and continue to meditate upon. Let's pray as we begin there. Our Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us here safely today. I thank you for bringing many of us from all the way on the other side of the world. been uh, four weeks since um, since we were able to assemble here in this building 
as far as this whole group. And Lord, we thank you for the riches of your word, unsearchable riches that we have in Christ. Lord, pray that you would just delight us again with, with a little more of it uh, that we could find today. In Jesus' name, amen. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 12 was this verse that just struck me as being so rich. And I, I said, we need, to, we need to dig in and find out what's in this verse. It says, For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you, word. And so we can read that and uh, you can read it a lot of times and still say, wow, what did that just say? <laughs> There's so many prepositional phrases and, and thoughts linking together. And so um, why don't we try to look through it and simplify it just a, just a little bit so that we get the flow of where it's going and then we'll look at each section. Um, I'm going to read it one more time. It's, it's, just, it's just a handful to work with. It says, 2 Corinthians 1, 12, For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world, and more abundantly to you, word. Um, if we take it maybe from the, the end, the, the last part, this is one section. We have had our conversation in the world, and more abundantly to you, word. Having our conversation is speaking of uh, just our whole manner of life, going about our things every day, everything that we present to the world, and specifically it says more abundantly to you words. So um, Paul's writing this to a church where he brought the gospel to the, the city of Corinth, and so we're not going to study all of First and Second Corinthians and, and all the dynamics with uh, Paul writing these letters to them and, and the communications that he's had with them. But um, one thing that I was thinking about is, is how we have a testimony to the world, and we think about that as we're traveling. You know, when you're, when you're going across the world, you don't even get to go to your own bed. You, you don't really get to go to a place and close the door and be away from everyone for days on end. There's always somebody around. And... Uh, that can, that can just be stressful in itself, you know? It used to be able to have a quiet time, quiet place. Um, so we, but we think about this. We had our, we've had our conversation in the world. There's, there's people observing us just about every moment for days when you're traveling, long haul. And so, oh, this is important for us to consider that people are watching us. And then it says, and more abundantly to you, word. And we think about gathering as a church, um, and we could maybe even apply this in, in our families or maybe on our missions trip team. The people that we have more influence on are the people that we're with, uh, you know, choosing to be with for, for days or years on end because of the way the Lord's brought us together, whether it's in a family or in a church. And so um, this is kind of the, how do I say it? The first part of the verse is talking about the second part of the verse, and describing the way that we are going to have our conversation and be um, an influence and a, a demonstration to others of who we are, who Christ is in us. 
So that's, that's where we're going. But all these descriptions at the front, um, trying to figure out what, what is this saying to us? Our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience. So those things, uh, they're not linked together with a, with a because or an and. It's just, uh, well, I think we could say, we could uh, use the idea of and. There are two different ways to describe it, our rejoicing and the testimony of our conscience. Um, but also, <laughs> I guess it, you know, he's, he can rejoice when it says the testimony of our conscience, um, saying that, that this is definitely true. It's not just me saying it or claiming to be, but my conscience tells me the same thing. Um, and what is it? It is that in simplicity and godly sincerity we have had our conversation. That not with fleshly wisdom we have had our conversation. That by the grace of God we have had our conversation. So there's three sections there that describe the way that we do have our conversation, the way that we do speak and interact with others. Let's, talk, let's look at those first two sections. We'll, we'll kind of, uh, I, I guess, to break the verse down, we have the, the top two phrases, our rejoicing, the testimony of our conscience. And then the next three phrases go together, simplicity and godly sincerity not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God. And the last two phrases go together. We have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you, word. Okay, have I just lost everyone? Or we're, we're kind of seeing a little bit of a, a framework for the verse. So let's look at the, the beginning of it. It says, for our rejoicing is this. And again, because we're studying this verse, we're not, uh, we're not trying to just um, study the whole word rejoicing in the Bible, there'd be a lot of it. But as I mentioned, we were, we were studying Philippians 4 on our trip somewhat, and our plans got changed, a lot of people got sick, and we never finished as far as we were going to. But I'm thankful for what we did study together, down through, uh, I don't know, it was about verse 16 or 17, I think. Um, and if we, if we look at Philippians 4, you can maybe hold a hand in Philippians 4 because... There's several references we'll make to it, because it's what we've been studying recently, so it's uh, kind of linking together things in my mind. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot of things that can be rejoiced in. Uh, well, we know the Bible says we rejoice in the Lord, and uh, we talk about that in Philippians 4.4. 4. No matter what happens in your life, no matter what the events and circumstances, you can rejoice in the Lord, because the Lord doesn't change. The Lord is always with us. We don't ever lose uh, the, the connection. Four days into Papua New Guinea, my SIM card stopped working. And they never did get it working. The rest of the trip, I tried many different days, many different times, many different ways. And I, I ended up having to, to kind of piece my cell service together. It was, it was another source of stress to me. Um, not able to get a hold of people when I wanted to. And... Um, Pastor Holmes was trying to reach me and my cell phone wasn't working. But we don't have that with God. God is always there. There's no time zone problem for God. We don't have to say, oh, no, he's sleeping right now. That's how he felt during the whole trip. What time is it? Ah, oh, I can't call anybody, right? Now you know what we go through when we live in Papua New Guinea. But with God, it's okay. It's always on time. It's always connected. It's always 
He already knows what you're thinking. You don't have to be afraid to speak to him. <laughs> and so we can rejoice in that. We can rejoice in the Lord. Um, but this verse tells us about, um, and I think, yes, Philippians 4.4, 4, and then also Philippians 4.10, uh, the Bible says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Paul rejoiced about something that happened, but he rejoiced in the Lord because of it. Um, and so we have there in, in 2 Corinthians 1.12, our main verse, our rejoicing is this. He tells about another thing that is his rejoicing. Uh, when I talked about Philippians, where was it? I don't, I don't even have it written down, but uh, it's in, Second Thessalonians, right? Second Thessalonians chapter 1. I apologize for... Uh, no, First Thessalonians chapter 2. Had that backwards. <clears throat> First Thessalonians 2.19. For what is our hope or, re or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? For ye are our glory and joy. So here Paul says that his converts, and particularly the, the converts that were continuing to follow the Lord as they should, there was a great source of rejoicing. But I think um, our verse in 2 Corinthians 1.12, he's, he's speaking, and that's why I say these two go together. Our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience. He's able to look into his own life and rejoice, not in himself, but he can rejoice because of what he sees in his life, because of what the Lord's done in his life. And we'll see that here in a moment. Um, you, it's a great thing to be able to look at yourself and be able to live with yourself, to be able to be happy with what you see, not in a sense of uh, self-esteem and lifting up yourself with pride, but to be able to be content that you are following the Lord as you ought to. We don't, want, we don't want it to be any other way. We don't want to have to look at ourselves every day and say, you dummy, why don't you get this fixed? We want to be able to rejoice when we follow the Lord, right? We have that hymn, trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. When we're, you know, often it feels like for once, finally, following the Lord as we're supposed to, then we can look into our own lives and rejoice. And I, I see that, that this is biblical. Oh, I do have it written down here. It's just on the side. Okay. <laughs> uh, second, I wrote down Second John 4 as well, which is, uh, I rejoiced in the Lord when I heard of thy children walking the truth. And then uh, Philippians 4.10. Okay. So those, that's what I... There's, there's different things that we can rejoice in in the Bible. And I think what we're seeing in this verse... His rejoicing is that in all these good ways, he's had his conversation to others. Okay, let's find out what that is. <laughs> the testimony of our conscience, I just wrote down uh, Romans 9, 1, where Paul said, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. He says there in, in verse 2 that I have continual heaviness and sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren and my kinsmen according to the flesh who are Israelites. And it's just another example, a cross-reference in the Bible, of 
Paul's conscience telling him this is true. I'm not just, it's not just a passing feeling. It's not just, uh, you get this nagging in me like, you know what? This is what I say is true about myself, but I really know myself. It's not that way. No. Paul said the testimony of our conscience that he could say with a clear conscience, with a joyful heart, this is true about my life. And we want to be in that uh, situation. I also have Acts 23, verse 1, Paul giving his testimony before the council of the, um, the Jews, Pharisees and Sadducees. He said, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. That would be a, a happy thing to be able to say. I know myself. I look back at choices I've made. No, I've not always done what my conscience told me to do. We can't go and change the past, but we can have the answer of a good conscience toward God now if we obey, if we do what we know we're supposed to. So let's find out uh, the, the things that go along with that. What, what gives you a happy conscience, a, a happy heart, a rejoicing heart? First uh, Corinthians 1.12, that in simplicity and godly sincerity. Oh, simplicity. It makes you think about uh, having no guile, right? First um, Peter 2 says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all, guile, and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So I think there we see the no guile goes along with sincerity. It says simplicity and godly sincerity. Um, there's a couple cross-references for that word sincerity. If we can, if we can look at Luke 8.15. If we look these up quickly, we won't, uh, won't take too long. Luke 8.15. The Bible says, uh, and again, this is in the parable of the sower and the seed, but it says, But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. I remember as a young person asking the Lord to help me to have a right heart. Think about, um, I don't have the reference, I won't look it up, but uh, the Bible says, not with eye services, men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Is that in Colossians 3 or, or Ephesians? One of those. And we want that to be the testimony of our conscience. That from the heart, we want to do what's right. And it's a work that God can do in our heart. <laughs> we know that in our own heart, we can, we can deceive ourselves. We can, uh, within, from the heart of man, proceed all kinds of nasty, filthy things. But God can give us a heart that's after Him. As we... Surrender our will to Him. And we want that to be the testimony of our conscience, that in godly sincerity. We see, we have people in the world that, uh, and I, I heard this first in Medina, New York. Um, brother, who's he, what's it? Name Logan, who's the idea? Uh, brother from South Africa, Roy Daniel. Brother Roy Daniel. Keith Daniel's son. He taught a bunch of stuff about witnessing, and then we went out witnessing. And in Medina, New York, we came across a lady who claimed to be a Hindu, a white lady. Like, what? Wow, why make you want to be a Hindu? I don't know. 
he had just told us about all these things, and we're finding them right in small town America. It was very instructive. Um, and then he, he talked to, I was, I was on the team with Roy, and he talked to a young man, and he said something, and I didn't catch it. Uh, Roy speaks South African English. He's got quite an accent, but he understood it. And he said that this young man had said, I'm real. I'm, I'm real. Well, what do you mean by that? And so Roy was basically getting into, you know, telling him, just because you're sincere and you say, this is who I am, take it or leave it. That's not the same as godly sincerity. <laughs> you, can, you can be sincere that, hey, you know what, I'm a bank robber and this is the way I am and you're not going to change me. I, I, I own it. No, I don't own the bank. I, I own my problem, right? I, I'm willing to admit it, and I'm not willing to change it. Well, that's not godly sincerity. It may be truthful, but that's not what we're looking for here, simplicity and godly sincerity. Godly sincerity would be to, yes, acknowledge that of ourselves we are, we are sinners, but that, um, but that the Lord is able to make us be honest people, to make us be... Uh, who he designed us to be. We think about Philippians 4, 8. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. So the, the verse there in Luke 8 said, an, an honest and good heart. And there Philippians 4, 8 says, uh, things that are good and things that are honest. That's what we want to be true in our lives. Things that the Lord can put there. And uh, man, I needed that verse numerous times on this trip as we traveled. Wait a minute. I'm supposed to be thinking about things that are true and honest and lovely. The world would like to offer me all kinds of other rubbish to think about. Any, any given moment, there will be something deviant and wrong for you to consider. The world does a good job of putting that in front of you all the time. But... God just reminds us, this is, this is what I have for you, something that's pure and lovely and good, good report. And so we have that choice. And what's the testimony of your conscience going to be? Is it going to be godly sincerity? Simplicity, it, it just makes me think, yeah, we, we don't need to try to pretend something that's, that's not true about ourselves, but we need to give our give our our mind, our will, our emotions to God and let Him have control of it. And, uh, and there we can rejoice if that's, the, if that's the truth about our conversation to others. Um, let's see, I wrote down Joshua twenty four fourteen. What's that say? Serve the Lord in sincerity and truth. And, you know, that... that Brings us back to that verse, um, doing the will of God from the heart, and then just on the other, the opposite page there, Second Corinthians two seventeen. For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God speak we in Christ. And what Brother Tim mentions this morning about as preachers, it can be tempting to try to put ourselves in the spotlight. I mean, they even shine lights on us right here in the front, right? Um, and I've also observed as we've traveled to many different churches the past few years, thankfully not often. It would be quite distressing if it was more often. But 
people just letting self get the best of them. And again, they can't hide it. They're displaying it in front of everyone how self-centered they are. Um, that's not simplicity and godly sincerity. When you have to show how amazing your original sermon outline is from the Bible, at that point, you would have been better off not preaching it because that's not what's pleasing to the Lord. And uh, that's a, a, a decision and an attitude that we need to come back and find every time that the Lord calls upon us to speak for Him. That our conversation in the world and to you, word in the church needs to be simplicity and godly sincerity. And then it, it links it right together there in our verse, 1 Corinthians one twelve, not with fleshly wisdom. And of course that brings to mind 1 Corinthians 1 and 2. And for sake of time, we're not going to read through those passages. Um, I had to read through it here on this trip just to remind myself, God doesn't need my intellect and my abilities. He needs to get them out of the way if I'm going to be able to serve him. And I love Papua New Guinea. Papua New Guineans love me. We enjoy it. I, the, the travel stuff, I do have some skills. I do have some ability to speak in pidgin. And I have a lot of connections throughout the world. And God has to use me despite those things, not because of those things. God didn't need me to make all the connections for him and say, oh, excuse me, if you don't invite me on this trip, nothing's going to happen. No, God doesn't need me. But if, yeah, if we're usable to God, he wants to use us, but not with our fleshly wisdom. Showing everyone how it's done. It's, it's just not helpful. <laughs> so um, I, I'll just move on from that. There's, there's much more that we could study about the Bible. Um, the wisdom. Now this, this verse comes to mind in James. Um, James 3.13. And I'm going to stop and read it because I need it. <laughs> James 3.13, but uh, who, who is a wise man and a dude with knowledge among you? It doesn't say you need to throw all your education away, go get a brain transplant so you can be dumb. No, but if that's you, if you have some knowledge and you have some wisdom, the Bible says, let him show out of a good conversation, that, that goes right together with First, Second Corinthians 1.12, his works with meekness, of wisdom. Well, we already heard about that today. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. Well, that's no that's no joke. That's not it's not saying, oh, you shouldn't have done that. That's saying if you use your smarts to prove how great you are, instead of letting God use you, you are in the devil's camp. You're, you're pals. That, that's how he operates. I will be like the Most High. We don't want to be in that camp. Verse 17, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without 
hypocrisy. Well, that goes along with sincerity as well. So, yeah, the, the, uh, we want this to be the tens- testimony of our conscience. That we're not making it all happen. We're not showing the world how it's going to be done. What does it say? Our third phrase there. It's in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God. <laughs> That's where we have our privilege. That's what gives us any part in God's work. It's His grace. It makes me think of uh, 1 Corinthians 15.10. Brother Tim Johnson almost, almost took my verse, but he was in 1 Corinthians 15.9. And again, this is Speaking of Paul's humility, so we are, we just looked at. He calls himself the least of the apostles, and in verse ten he says, "But by the grace of God, I am what I am." And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all; yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Paul rightly understood that some, somehow he's able to view himself as the least of the apostles. Although, basically, you get through about the middle of the book of Acts, and from there to almost the end of the Bible, it's almost all about Paul. <laughs> everything that he did and everything that he said. That's, that'd be quite a position to not feel exalted in. For God to use you that much. But he understood that it was the grace of God working in him. And he knew what he was. He knew what he would do and could do and had done if it were not for God working in his life. Why don't we see that? Wow. Mr. 26-year-old thinks he's a great missionary. Just think back about who you are without God in your life. And you think you're going to go be a great missionary without God in your life? What are you thinking? I need that reminder. It's... It's but by the grace of God. And so we'll just come come to the end of our verse, 2 Corinthians 1.12. In all these ways, in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we've had our conversation in the world. And more abundantly to you, word, that conversation in the world makes me think of Philippians 2, 14-16. Um, Philippians 2 there, it says, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. See here, The Apostle Paul is able to rejoice once more that rather than just saying, oh, I'm a miserable failure, I'm a sinner, I'm not able to do the things that God wants me to do, so I'm just going to go hide in my hole and wait for Jesus to come get me. No, he submits himself to God. He puts down whatever wisdom he had. We we read about Paul knowing that he he was the prime candidate of Israel to be a religious person. He had all the credentials. He had labored and disciplined himself. And he took all those things that were gained to him. 
and he made them lost for Christ there in, in Philippians chapter 3. So that, so that Christ could be manifested through him. That's what we need. The world doesn't need to know who we are. It, it just goes right with, he must increase, I must decrease. If we do not decrease, then God cannot work with us. Because that wisdom is devilish. That's not going to work. But if, if the grace of God works in our lives, we can rejoice. Not about how great we did, but about what God was able to do through us. That, that he would be able to get some glory out of little old us. That would be a great cause of rejoicing when we get to see his face. If, if uh, we can turn to hymn number 319 and get a piano player, I think we'll close right here, 319. Um, I just pray that, that the Lord would continue to have long-suffering with me so that I could have that, the testimony of my conscience, that I, my, myself has been put aside and that he's able to work something with me if, if you'd have me. Let's stand up together. If you want to take time to pray, you're, you're welcome to. And we'll sing hymn 319, I Would Be True. <laughs>